the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello, friends. Welcome to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee, and I have the distinct privilege and honor of being named the Director of Local Ministries here at True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, 104.1 The Fish, and 93.1 L Ray. And our very special guest in the studio today is a friend. His name is John Canorn's child, and he is the owner of Admirable Landscape. In addition to that, He's about overcoming the weeds of life, and you'll get to hear about this every Saturday at noon right here on True Talk 800, beginning on Saturday, November 1st, with his relaunched show, Garden Samurai. So welcome, John. How are you today? I'm great, and thanks for having me. It's a privilege having you out here. So question one, our listeners are going to want to know, what exactly is Garden Samurai, and how do you come up with the name anyway? Uh, that's a, probably a whole story in itself, but um, my mother, she's Japanese, and so she loved the samurais. We used to watch lots of samurais together, and both my Movies, mother— Movies, TV shows, yeah. bad cartoons. Yeah, we— and, and Of course, you and I are probably similar age. This is before Japanimation and anime and things like that were around. Yes, so. and uh, we—mom loved Bruce Lee, and so uh, watched a lot of Bruce Lee movies with her, and— uh, you know, me being younger, some of them were in black and white, and um, but we just we loved those. And yeah. the the popular one was Enter the Dragon, right? That was the definitive martial arts that, butt kicking movie yeah, for Bruce he, Lee, right? Yeah, he had that. He um, that that definitely was iconic for him, and also the Green Hornet is another one that he's well known of. And that was a great television show. And I can't remember for the life of me who played the lead, but Bruce Lee played the sidekick named Kato. Yes. He kind of, Green Hornet was kind of like a, I don't know, almost like a white collar Batman equivalent. I know, I remember he had the mask and he had his hat and in his, you know, fancy clothes. And Kato was his Robin figure, you know, his number two man who who wore that beret and drove the car around for him, kind of like a valet. I wonder how that would fly today. But Well, they had a new <laughs> uh, movie out, not a couple, uh, the, called The Green Hornet, which was a couple, I think a year, a couple years ago that they had, and it was like the upgraded version. Did you see that? I didn't get around to it myself. I did see that, and the car was really cool, and um, I, I, I thought it was a good movie. So what uh, ethnicity is the name Knorren's Child with a K-N? It, it's technically German, and there's an interesting story about my last name. Uh, when I was growing up, I always said Knorren's Child. And my high school year, uh, at Mount, I went to Mount Vernon High School, and my, my, my freshman year at Mount Vernon High School, Herr Walter was my German teacher. And he goes, Hans, you know, Johans, which it means John, he goes, no, he goes, it's Nernschild. 
and and because so, it's Swiss German. And so when I want to feel like you know I'm uh, German, I say Nernschild. But you know, for 18 years of my life, I always said Kornschild, and um, that's the the story of my last name. And my 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 dad. He was a, a military man, thir- served 30 years in the United States military, and met my mother in Tokyo, Japan, and uh-huh. um, that's how they, they, they came about. And so his grand, uh, his father came over through Ellis Island, and so I'm actually kind of half German, half Japanese. So, and- so you're, let me think, that would make you... First generation on your mom's side. Yes. Right? Yes. How neat. Yeah. So how was it growing up? Where did you grow up in the first place? Mount Vernon, Washington. I was born in uh, Whidbey Island, Oak Harbor, Washington, but pretty much grew up in uh, Mount Vernon, Washington and graduated from uh, Mount Vernon High School, 1989. And, um, you know, I just think about playing Nerf football on the street. You go back there now and all the woods that we used to run around in – they they're all like turned into condos and co-ops yeah and like that but we our street wasn't busy enough that we could play nerf football and we had nerf football games and um my i have an older brother keith um he's seven years older than me and uh interesting enough his nickname is kato so people up uh in his neck of the woods uh you know know him as kato and um, I call him Cato too. Once I hope that was more of a compliment than a slur. It it is, <laughs> you know. Uh, my brother and I have had our struggles and hardships, but I, I love him. Um, I love so him. was it just the two of you boys growing up? Yeah, it was just the two of us. So there were periods, you know, with him being um, that much older, uh, you know. Eventually, he moved out, um, and so it was more kind of an only child type of situation. And what's your age gap again? I'm forty. I was born in 1970. So, yeah. And how old is your brother? He's seven. I, you know, I, I never know his exact age. I just know he's seven years older than me. Okay. So that's old enough to be a good big brother, but it's not like you're uh, always playing ball together because that, that's a significant gap. No. Between... The, you know, when, when we did play Nerf football together, he, he did not uh, let go of making sure that he knocked me down and... It, it, if I if I want to accredit some toughness would be to my brother. I mean, when we when we played Nerf, he if he could knock me into the ditch or into the sticker bushes and and get away with it, he would. How funny! And so, um, well, that's good to know. So, how is he today? Are you the bigger one now? <laughs> you know, I think when you have an older brother, he is always an older brother, and um, there there might be some things spiritually that I have, you know, over him. But the other part then is uh, part of being um, uh, to mature spiritually is the humbleness that you get from that. And it, so it seems spirituality is a big part of what makes up John Canoran's child and your program that's coming on November 1st to True Talk 800. And it'll be Saturdays at noon called Garden Samurai. So people are going to want to know where the name Garden Samurai came from, and you explained that you are half Japanese, so that connection is is fairly evident. But garden, that comes from your business, is it? You know, um, 
my my uh, mother and father both loved to garden. My my dad had this really cool apple tree that had like five different grafts on it, mm-hmm. and um, he they grew vegetables. And actually, if you go to uh, the gardensamurai.com, I have the story of both my mother and father in more detail. And it gives you a little bit more uh, interesting of the background of where they come. But I, I would say the garden part comes first and foremost from my uh, my mom and my dad. And then uh, I started mowing lawns when dad was, you know, when you're old enough to go out there and push the lawnmower. And dad's like, son, go out and mow the lawn. And, and back then... Uh, we had this old Sears uh, lawnmower that side shot, and we had a pretty big yard, and it, it wasn't really very fun. I actually didn't like that. Uh, you know, the mowing part was okay, but then spending all day raking up all those gla- grass clippings. And so now uh, I'm uh, owned admirable with my wife since 1996. Now we got way more technology, so it, it's a lot more fun to 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 mow lawns than the olden days were. And we even used those old push ones, the real mowers. You go and you know mm-hmm. you push them and work your arms out. And I just remember early on the struggle, you know, and part of this of of overcoming the weeds of life. And I remember my first lawnmower, this orange Aaron's lawnmower, when I bought it. Um, it, it had a rear bagger on it. And so I, I went out and I mowed the lawn and something that used to take all day took like an hour because it bagged the grass. And then we'd throw the, the grass clippings into the compost pile. And then pretty soon the neighbor's like, hey, you know, John, can you mow our, our lawn? And, you know, I'll pay you. And I was like, really? And so then all of a sudden I developed a love for it. And, um, and so when there's that struggle on some of that stuff, it – it can, you know, lead to, to other things. And so now with Admirable Landscapes, they got um, just quite a bit of, you know, extensive equipment. Um, one of the really cool things that technology has brought to us is, I don't know if you've ever weed-eated, but uh, the old weed-eater heads, you'd weed-eat and then they'd get all gobbled up and then you'd have to tear them apart. And, and it's just, you know, 10 minutes, you're just trying to get the weed-eater uh, head strung up. And while you're doing that, the the weeds of life are just kind of overcoming you. Now they have uh, this uh, technology with this this new weed eater head that basically you just slip the line through it. Okay. You know, and uh, one string you just slip the weed eater line, and then you twist you twist the uh, line, and it, there's no taking it apart and then stringing it up. And so it's the different technology of difference of something that used to take maybe four minutes to and the the struggle of the hassle of that than uh, going to like thirty seconds. You can find out more about John Canorn's child's different businesses uh, as for landscaping throughout the Portland metropolitan area. Check out AdmirableLandscapes.com. That's AdmirableLandscapes.com, and we'll be having more with. Garden Samurai John Canorn's Child next on Difference Makers. Thanks so much for listening to True Talk 800. November 1st, Saturday, starting at noon, you'll be able to meet Garden Samurai. But today on Difference Makers on True Talk 800, you get to meet the man himself, John Canorn's Child. Thanks so much for coming in today, John. It's a pleasure to be here. 
So we were talking about your upbringing in Washington and your older brother and surviving Nerf football games and things like that. So how old were you when you first began landscaping for neighbors around the block and realizing that this is something that you're pretty good at if they're going to pay you to do it? Seems like maybe eight, you know. I mean, it started off just pushing the lawnmower across the street. And was that one of those, you know, relatively safer manual reels or was that what that's a power mower with gas or electric or anything? yeah i mean back then my 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 dad was a hard-working kansas farmer so um for us having a paper route picking strawberries uh hard work was just part of the work ethic it was just part of the family I so mean, between having a mom from japan and the whole asian work ethic you also had a, a dad from the military so yes yeah and he was very um, disciplined. I mean, um, I, I remember just my, I'd go visit my friend up the street and, um, you know, before we could go play, his dad would be like, you know, John, why don't you go out and help, help the, you know, help Mark and chop some wood before you go play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, that's I, sweet. Yeah. Which he came over to my house. I was mowing a lawn by myself. It's like 1.1 acres. And we had an old lawn boy. A fixer-upper, and it just never collected. So the funny thing is, to this day, I can't stand doing the lawn, and I'm blessed to live on a block with dear, sweet, generous, retired people. All of them have perfectly manicured and landscaped lawns, and they're constantly coming over offering to give us flowers for free and help us plant them. My next-door neighbor, Susie, she would just kind of let herself in the gate and weed part of our yard out for us. And far be it from us, if that's her love language, to take that away from her. But, yeah, it's just kind of funny like that, that here I am to this day, and I still can't stand yard work. Now, you, on the other hand, developed it into a bit of an arts and, and a business and career at that. So when did that first really spark your interest as a possibility? Well, I remembered... Um my brother, he needed to um, uh, mow a lawn for Dave Yamashita, and he wasn't able to do it for some reason. And so he was like, hey, John, can you take care of it? And it, it was our family lawyer. And so he lived out on the country club. And um, it, it back then, uh, this now we're talking more like in high school um, when I actually uh, could drive and I had my driver's license. But so it started with, you know, neighborhood lawn mowing, just kind of pushing the lawnmower up the street. But then um, he needed his lawn mowed. And, and so I got a truck and went out and started mowing his lawn. And then he had connections, his, you know, secretary and he knew friends. And then pretty soon I have this legitimate lawn mowing business going. And um, I remember this land- landscaper guy stopped and said, hey, do you have a license? <laughs> And I go, uh, no, I, I didn't know you had. And he was like, well, you know, you really need a city license. And so I went and did that. And then my first lawn mowing business was Lawn Busters, you know. And on my Wait, was co- that about the time Ghostbusters yeah, movie came out? Yeah. What was that? Mid to late eighties. Yeah, and so it was Lawn <laughs> Busters, and I had you know made cards up, and I went and got my my city license, and and it, and my cards were like Lawn Busters, and who are you gonna call? And um, e- even in my uh high school yearbook i put you know i'll bust any lawn and so you know if it was tall or or whatever and so we had tall lawns nice lawns. it would have been great if you had one of those 
big hospital-type station wagons or hearses or whatever they drove around. Remember the big white one and it had the Ghostbusters logo on the door? Yeah, that would have been really <laughs> cool. I I, uh, I did have an El Camino, um, but I sold it to you know move into a, a, a bigger truck. I'm not big into trucks, but I always thought El Caminos had a really cool look to them. Yeah, well, it... You know that this uh, El Camino was pretty nice, cherry. But the the gas mileage was terrible on it. You know, big old three fifty, um, just gas guzzler. Sure, and, I can imagine. And, and back then, uh, it, gas was like eighty eight cents a gallon, and it was still a gas guzzler. Sure. So I switched over to a truck with a six cylinder in it, and uh, yeah, gas is always an issue. So we talked about how your parents raised you and your brother with a very strong work ethic and responsibility mindset from a young age, which is good. Were they people of faith also? Yes. Um, my dad was a very devout Lutheran, and I went to the Lutheran church for 18 years, uh, learned Bible stories there, books of the Bible. And mom, um, she was a Shinto Buddhist. And so I got to learn um, some stuff about that also. And um, as she, you know, progressed along, you know, she would start to learn more about uh, Christianity from the Lutheran and the Lutheran pastor. And Pastor Warren Schumacher um, helped her to to come to a realization. And I asked my mom. I said, um, "What? Why? Why did you, you know, cross over or convert?" And she kind of had said basically that, that the Christian God was bigger. But I think that the other thing is just that personal relationship. When uh, when her and her being a Shinto Buddhist, she would pray up to the sky, but she didn't know the name of God. She just knew that he was up in the sky. And um, when, when you become a Christian, you start to know God personally. And um, I had went through that same journey. And, um, you know, I think when we're born, we move forward. We, we have these questions, you know, who's out there? You know, are you real? Are you personal? And, um, I dedicated my life to that, um, topic. Um, even though I was Lutheran for 18 years, I knew God, but I didn't really have a understanding of what Jesus Christ meant. And um, in in that journey, um, I went went through some personal struggles when I was 22. That uh, company that I had back then, I was dating this girl that I thought I really loved and was going to get married, and she broke my heart. And uh, that that was some pretty struggle trying times. And then it affected my business, and I was just you know a big mess. And you know I I, I remember those the the sayings about. Time heals all wounds. I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but I think the creator of your soul, God, um, actually knows more about healing your soul than time does. And I believe that God created time. And um, that's when I just kind of got down and said, you know, Lord, if, if you're out there, you know, I need your help because my, my soul, my heart is broken. And then... Uh, God just being so loving and generous to me, um, you know, that's when I met my wife, Kim. And so, so where did you meet Kim in the first I place? I met Kim. We've um, been married 20 years now. Um, Congratulations. That's yeah, awesome. We, um, uh, I, I met her at a, a Bible study 
um, we actually met three times before that, but, um, you know, where we actually connected up was at a, at a Bible study from a, a, a home Bible study from the Foursquare Church that I was going to after I had left the Lutheran Church because, you know, I'm seeking, you know, I had questions and answers. And she, uh, I remember one time my best friend was going out to a movie and his car broke down at Greg Walker. And so I, uh, I gave him a ride and I guess his date was my wife. (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't remember. I remember Greg, but, and she was like, Hey, you know, do you remember that? And I'm like, you you gave me a ride to the movies, you know, all you remembered, it was his your yeah, buddy and yeah. whoever his date was. That right, night. You right. had no idea it was the woman who would become your wife. Right. And then <laughs> the second time, her uh, um, sister tried to set us up in the mall. But at that time, I was going out with someone and she was going out with someone. But she's like, I, you know, she goes, I think you guys would be good together. And, you know, it didn't cross my mind. But so... Technically, we... So your sister-in-law knew yeah. before either you or Kim did. Yeah. How funny. And You uh, owe her a burger, at least, out of that. Yeah. And so um, we, uh, we, you know, we had gotten together. And um, so I, you know, some part of my heartache before I had met Kim that caused me to, you know, seek God was... I ended up losing I, – I bought my first house when I was 22, and I lost my first house when I was 23 because I had gotten into, you know, some financial struggles with the, the business. And, you know, and that's a whole story in itself. And I actually ended up going bankrupt, and I spent 10 years repaying everybody that I didn't really need to repay because technically the law had cleared me out. But all of those heartaches and struggles that I was going through, you know, kept bringing me – closer to the Lord. And then through all this, you know, he gives me Kim, which I was like, wow. I mean, that, that's, that's when I knew that God was loving and, and, uh, um, forgiving and, you know, and all those things. And so uh, then I was just, I I remembered him speaking to me, you know, scriptures and he didn't give me a salvation scripture. I must've prayed that prayer when I was in the Lutheran church, uh, when I was younger, but the, 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 the verses that he used to talk to me were, you know, First John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And then the other one was in Revelations. It's like, I, hey, John, I spit you out of your my, your, my mouth because you got to be either hot or cold. I don't like it when you're lukewarm. And so I said, at that point, I said, then I will, you know, I, I will serve you and, and bow down and, and, um, and follow you. And so um, I was just like totally on fire, um, still connected to the Lutheran Church, and um, always welcome to go in there. Then I went to a, a four-square church, and you know, I went to like as many Bible studies and churches as I could, because I just wanted to learn as much as I could. You were like a sponge at this stage of your life. Yeah, back, and this is back in uh, around 22, 23 years old. Um, Kim and I had got... Um, in, in that process, and we had gotten married in '94, mm-hmm. and um, then we were going. We we got married at um, a the Christian Missionary Alliance Church, and nice. Pastor, Pastor Ron Hawkins was the pastor there, and he just was like, like you said, just a sponge, and just sucking everything in. And he says, "I I don't have any more answers for you." He says, "I think God's calling you to go to Multnomah Bible College." 
And so Kim and I were just freshly married, you know, about a year, but she was a strong believer and she said, let's go, let's go on the journey. So she was completely behind us at this. Oh yeah. She's just a, a wonderful woman. Um, just, just a total blessing from God. She's that, um, can't say enough about her. And when we return, John Canorn's child, it's funny. I bumped into Multnomah for the last week solid here, there, everywhere. It's a good thing. Maybe God's trying to tell me something, but anyway, John Canorn's child is the host of Garden Samurai starting Saturday, November 1st and every Saturday at noon, talking not just about gardening and landscaping, but overcoming the weeds of life. More with John Canorn's Child next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Our special guest today is John Canorn's Child of Garden Samurai. That'll be heard weekdays, actually weekends, Saturdays starting at noon on November 1st. And you can email John at john at gardensamurai.com. And when we left off before the break, John, you were explaining how you and Kim are newlyweds when the Lord put it on your heart to attend Multnomah. So how was that experience for you? You know, uh, Pastor Ron Calkins just basically packed us up in a U-Haul. We didn't have a whole lot, you know, our bed and um, just basic stuff and drove us uh, from Mount Vernon, Washington down to Portland, Oregon, and so we went from a town of uh, 70,000 people or whatever to the big city, and um, I went to Multnomah because I wanted to learn more about God and spiritual things, and uh, it was a a big step of faith to uh, leap out into that. Didn't really have a job or uh, anything at that point, and then um, my favorite professor's um, at that time, Dr. Jeff Arthurs was my communications professor and um, kind of you know, took me under his wing. I, I remember going out to his house one day uh, after school because he, he said um, he needed help with taking this bee's nest, yellow jacket's nest down. And at that time, I wasn't the garden samurai, but uh, it must have been early um, – prophecy of what I was to become. So I remember wiping out this yellow jacket nest with a professor, uh, Dr. Jeff Arthurs out there. And we took out this thing. And, and um, I also did one of my favorite jobs at Multnomah was announcing for the basketball team. Um, and so there Are you was, a big sports fan, John? I, I do like sports. Um, now, when you're growing up, in Washington, did that make you more of a Seattle Sonics fan than a Blazers fan, or what? You know, I I have this struggle. Um, I, I love the Seahawks, and uh, back then, the the Sonics always got beat by the Blazers and the Lakers, and and the Hust. And and I actually went to the University of Washington, so I got one year um, as um, a, a Husky. So I'm a, I'm a Husky. Right after I, it, this was before I had met my wife. So I graduated in 1989, and then in 1990, I went uh, to the University of Washington. So I, I'm a Husky, and I love the Huskies. But then the Ducks would, would beat the, the Huskies, um, you know, periodically. So, so sports-wise, if you can't beat them, join them and move down to Oregon. Huh? Yeah, you know, <laughs> so I moved down here, and, you know, I, tell, I say, how do you struggle? Because here I am, I'm a Husky, um, and all my, my, my friends up north are Huskies. And then, of course, I got Ducks fans and I got Beavers fans. And so um, I do I do like the Ducks and cheer them on and, and the Seahawks. 
um, I remember when I was a kid that I loved the Dallas Cowboys. But we're talking back when Tom Landry was the coach, you know, Roger Staubach, Roger Staubach era, right? and, and that era. And so um, I remember uh, crying the, the day when Dwight uh, Clark jumped up in the air when the 49ers, and it's that common thing that keeps rolling itself over. He jumped up and he caught that touchdown pass. and The you catch. Know, yeah, the catch. And so, um, but yeah, when when I was a kid, we used to play Nerf football, like I said. We used to play, uh, go over to the neighbor's house, <clears throat> uh, Dave Cornelius, and he was my philosophy professor in high school. So that was probably, you know, uh, another part of my spirituality. And seeds being planted for Garden Samurai. Yeah, I uh, love Dave Cornelius. He was the philosophy teacher. And um, what just, in particular stood out at, at such a young age? I'm curious. You know, uh, Pascal's wager always uh, affected my heart. Basically, Pascal was saying, um, you know, it, it's not worth the gamble, and so. You have to decide if there's a God or if there isn't a God. And then um, let's say you decide uh, there there's no God. Um, it, the gamble is what happens if there is one. So if, if I believed that there was and there wasn't, what do I lose? Right. And so – but if I gambled Pascal's wager and I waged that there wasn't and there was, wow, where does that – put me so that made you think how old were you at this point maybe high school age yeah probably 18 18 19 something like that so getting back to being a newlywed at Multnomah how was this season for you and Kim did you grow leaps and bounds did you just soak up things or what um Kim and I lived in a one-bedroom apartment and I remember it was just difficult because at that time we were just trying to get you know you're a student and so you're trying to get um, settled in for for the student stuff, getting your job situation, and then she was trying to get her job situated. And um, I I remember one one season we um, we didn't have five dollars to buy a Christmas tree, and um, it, you know it was tight. And um, I'm I'm just thinking that later on when uh, we had started Admirable Landscapes, which is after the the verse in the NIV, it's Philippians 4.8, whatever is admirable, think on such things. And Kim had gotten pregnant, and uh, it was that year when it was that real windy windstorm when Reuben was born. And I was sitting in there in the hospital, and I knew that, that we needed to, to generate a little bit more money. And so I says, you know, I, I know that I can start this, this lawn mowing uh, landscaping business up. And I said, we could probably, you know, make enough money to pay the bills. And I remember one year, it was around Christmas time, this guy had all these uh, evergreen trees that he wanted cut down. And they were like small Christmas trees, you know. And so we, we must have cut like five of them down. And then I contacted the church. At that time, we were going to Community Bible Fellowship. And we um, I donated. We, we took those Christmas trees to people that... Um, that couldn't afford because I had remembered. I remembered we couldn't afford a five dollar Christmas tree, and and that's they were five dollars back then. They're a lot more now, and uh, it was just such a feeling of joy. And that that's why I do what I do because um, God, you know, did that for me, and so it's part of me giving back. And uh, I remember just going to those people's houses and taking the truck over there 
and giving them those trees and and I and I I'm also a steward. I believe that everything that's been entrusted to me has been entrusted to me by, by God. He's he's given me my knowledge, my intelligence, my wisdom, my relationships. And so it's my way of honoring him um in helping the people that he has placed in my my path. And um you know, just a, a servant. And what I love about you, John Canorn's Child Garden Samurai, is the fact that it's the adversities that you've been through in your life. It's the seasons of struggles that have brought you closer to God and encouraged you to move forward and share those experiences with, with others. For instance, after your Christmas tree season, how much of a rush was it walking away from the house of someone who couldn't afford a Christmas tree after you and Kim had dropped them one for free? It, I can't it express just the the overwhelming feeling of joy when you've been in battle and the weeds of life have beat you up. Um, and then later on, God gives you the opportunity to um, turn it for good. And so one of the things that I want to share is that when we're going through a struggle, and I, I have my struggles every day, you know, and, and you overcome one struggle, God starts to give you bigger struggles. And... And then later on, those struggles that you're going through, he will use you to help someone else. And so um, what, a really big struggle that I had at one period in time, I was uh, pruning a hedge and I had gotten up on this ladder and I wasn't doing anything unsafe or anything. And, and um, usually, I, you know, my crews today, we have spotters and we check each other. But back then, I, I was, it was a, a winter and I was working by myself and I didn't secure the ladder right. And when I was going up the ladder, um, it, it, it sunk into the ground and um, I fell. And I fell off the ladder and I threw the hedge trimmer off to the right. But when I fell, my hand hit the trigger and it actually cut my pinky finger off from this thing. And, uh, of course, you know, we went to the emergency room. And so, you know, it was quite painful and, you know, all these feelings of, you know, shame and this and that. And it sounds that, so calm about it today. Yeah, it was painful. <laughs> you cut your finger off. Of I, it's yeah, gonna be yeah it cut, painful. And I and I was working part time. I was working building Admirable, so I was working part time uh, at Admirable, and I was working part time at Home Depot in the garden center. And I remember, you know, like the next day, I had to bandage my hand up and go back to work. And just the the you know the struggle of my coworkers making fun of me and that kind of stuff, and and I was like I was kind of asking Lord why you know why 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 all this, but then later on I got to encourage other people who had hand injuries, and then you know it was the coolest thing, at at that time we were going to Community Bible Fellowship, there the youth group there uh, came out and volunteered and helped um, mow lawns. And, and do yard work for admirable landscapes because th- they knew that I, I, I couldn't do some of the, the work. And, you know, my wife was out there trying to help out and, and do what we can. And, you know, and there was a dark, low period there. Um, but In one sense it was, but in another sense, how inspiring must it have been to have the church be the church and step up and help cover your needs because you were part of the church? Right. And um, it, I just from, you know, time to time, I just get to that. Those are the moments where, you know, you're just the love of God just pours over you. James 1, 2 through 8 reads, 
My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." Uh, you, John Cadorn's Child Garden Samurai, are steady, and you're set in your faith. And I look forward to hearing the lies you'll be touching starting November 1st, Saturdays at noon, on your program, Garden Samurai, having its relaunch right here on True Talk 800. So if you'd like to contact John, shoot him an email. John at GardenSamurai.com is the email address. That's John at GardenSamurai.com. More with John Cadorn's Child next on Difference Makers on True Talk 800. Welcome back to Difference Makers, and coming November 1st, Saturdays at noon, you'll be enjoying our current guest, John Knornschild, and his show, Garden Samurai. You can email John at john at gardensamurai.com. And before the break, John, you were talking about how the church really stepped up for you and for your wife, Kim, as you had launched Admirable Landscape and cutting your finger off, the youth group said... uh, stepped up and came and helped you out. How must have that touched your heart? I, you know, it's just like uh, tears of joy, you know, crying inside to know that when um, humbling yourself, you know, when I had to kind of learn how to write left-handed and I'm right-handed, so it's my my right hand that that happened to. And um, just being able and wanting to to work um, and but being limited, and then um, just the struggle, you know, the struggle and the pain, and and to know that um, that that God, that you know, bad things will happen, um, but God is good. And uh, amen to that. So, what happened as you were recovering from well, cutting your finger off at this point? Well, I I remember it, I, the doctor gave me two options. The surgeon, he says, look, he goes, we can just completely cut it off and carterize it, clean it, and you'll just not have the finger, and it'll heal pretty quickly. He says, um, if we surgically put it all back together, then you're going to have to go through therapy, and it's going to take a lot longer. And I was like, well, I wanted to keep my my finger. And so I went that route, and I remember it taking months um, uh, for it to heal and and recover. And um, I, I had to keep servicing our customers for admirable landscapes and then i had to work at home depot in the garden center and bandaging it up and so when i was at home depot i wasn't able to lift boxes and put them on the shelves and there were some co-workers that came and helped you and then there were co-workers who called me names called me gimpy made fun of me you know kids of all ages can be really really cruel right and sadly clever at it sometimes yeah and these are adults so it, it, you get bullied in high school and you get bullied out there in the and um but you know what made me valuable um and which kept going on is uh even though I couldn't pick boxes up and stack them uh I could be a lawnmower salesman and so I was still valuable because 
I knew stuff about lawnmowers. I knew stuff about product. So people were like, hey, go talk to John. He knows a lot about fertilizer and grass seed and which lawnmower to get and which one not to get. And so it, it was like, uh, you know, you're always afraid, like, if you're going to lose your job, you know. And uh, but, but you adapt. I think the important thing is persevering through it and knowing that God allows things to happen to us for a reason. And, and often it's it's to strengthen us in certain areas, our weak spots in particular. And what I'm hearing about your story here after your finger was cut pretty badly was the fact that you still had a value. You still had a place on the team. Maybe it was playing a different position, but you were still valuable to your jobs at this point. I, I'm, I just, at this moment, I'm just so thankful for my wife. I don't know how many storms have come our way that would, you know, break us apart or, or divorce us. And I believe there's an enemy out there and I believe that his name is, is, is Satan. And, um, and, you know, the Bible talks a lot about, about that and him coming to seek and kill and, and destroy, um, you know, for my, my friends out there that, that don't believe in that, that they, they do believe in, uh, evil and negative energy. And I'm, I'm not one to, to judge people. It's not my, my job. Um, to do that or to save anyone. Um, I, I, I've come to a point in my life, it's just to love people where they're at and um, share my story and listen to their story. I think I learned a lot of that from trying to be understanding of my mom and plus my, my love for my heritage of Japan and, um, and you know, the beliefs that they have of moving over and rooted in heritage and, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, when I think of the the samurai, you know, I always wondered, like in bat, you know, battle is a big deal to them, and and all those things, <clears throat> and why some of them back then, you know, would die with honor and commit, you know, uh, suicide, and they that's because they believe that if they're honorable, that they're going to go to a better place. And you, on the other hand, took that the positive aspects out of honor and integrity, but you put it alongside your your faith in Christ. Yeah. So tell me about being a parent and what lessons from your folks, your mom in particular, have helped you as a father. You know, if you go to the website, uh, gardensamurai.com and read her story, one of the things that you're going to find on there, and I and this part of honor, and this is what I think is really cool, that even though both both my mom and dad passed away in 2008, 30 days apart, and that was another huge struggle that I had to overcome. And now I'm at a place where I can share that and, and, um, and how I'm honoring my family. And mom, she taught us, if you get two milks, you buy, let's say you buy one and you get one free and you don't need both milk. She says, take the milk over to your neighbor. And so I learned that from her. So she would take the milk over to the neighbor and then the neighbor would send you back with some homemade bread. And uh, my neighbors were uh, Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, um, atheists. And I just learned that those were our neighbors. And um, learning to to work in harmony and community. And um, I one of my uh, quotes is, the most important garden is finding peace, you know, in your heart soul and mind. 
And I think we're all, you know, on a spiritual journey. I think we're all seeking that. Deep down inside, more than riches, fame, love, accolades of others, uh, an inner peace more than anything else, kind of an okay or a thumbs up from God. Yeah. So is that what Garden Samurai is going to be about Saturdays at noon? Garden Samurai is... Or partly? Yeah, Garden Samurai is a spiritual warrior. Um, but I, I also know... This is another thing that I learned from my mom. When she was dying of cancer, we would come up, um, and I'd drive all the way up from Portland. And all I wanted to do was just have lunch with her. And she's like, John, she goes, you need to mow the lawn first. And... <laughs> So apparently she admired your uh, landscape abilities. Well, you know what I learned from that? That mowing somebody's lawn and making sure that they feel good about it um, is important. And so uh, it took me a while to get over that. My neighbors keep telling me that. I haven't bought it quite yet, though, unfortunately. Yeah. I um, and, and, uh, um, And then when she died, she said, Keep my tomatoes growing. She had a little tomato plant, and my brother kept that tomato plant alive and well for quite some time. And so, you know, it was a kind of it was almost metaphorical, and you know, there was something about that. But I, I just learned that um, people they have uh, their their spiritual needs and their physical needs, and it it's just it was important to her to make sure that the lawn was mowed. So you blessed her by doing so, even though it might not have been your first choice, driving up to see your poor sick mom, right? Yeah. Well, I, I made friends with the neighbor kid, and uh, and m- mom paid him well. <laughs> so he came down with his riding lawnmower. Ooh, so, fancy. Yeah. I, and I was like, hey, I didn't have a riding lawnmower back then, but – and I think he got paid like triple the pay that I got too. Yeah, you're her son. You owe her. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's no, I mean, yeah, I'm definitely, I owe her. Well, uh, I, for one, am very thankful to have you here, John Knorin's child, and to have Garden Samurai launching Saturday, November 1st at noon, not simply or solely to talk about gardens or landscaping or what to do outside, but about, as you called it, overcoming the weeds of life. And I believe firmly that your life experiences and that your walk with Christ are going to help encourage people, not simply about how they can better maintain and be good stewards of what they have yard-wise, but in taking adversities and tough times and stories and in overcoming through them. So if you wanted to reach one particular audience on Garden Samurai, who do you hope that God would point you toward? I think um, the spiritual um, we, we've had to struggle, you know, what a, a, a garden samurai is. People have asked me, and there's a whole story of how we um, move forward and what that is. But the garden sam- samurai is truly a spiritual warrior and um, helping people overcome the weeds of life and plant a beautiful garden in their heart, soul, and mind. But um, we, you know, I'll also help people if they need uh, help with their security, trimming the, the plants uh, below their windows so they can see out. And, that's important. And I'll, uh, I'll be having a show on that, about the importance of security landscaping. We look forward to it. John Cadorn's Child, Garden Samurai, if you'd like to check out his websites, look at admirablelandscapes.com. 
GardenSamurai.com, and you could always email John at John at GardenSamurai.com. Garden Samurai launches on True Talk 800, November 1st, Saturday at noon. Thanks for listening to Difference Makers. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.